Hello and welcome to another podcast of Father and Joe. I'm Joe Rocky here with Father Boniface Six. And Father, today's episode actually comes from me reviewing some of the, the prior ones we did and goes immediately off of the one we just recorded here for last week, is that in the past we've, we've had a discussion about kind of where did the concept of, of eternal light come from or eternal life come from in terms of, of revelations, in terms of revelations to the church and the writers and, and the prophets of the Old Testament, kind of where does that concept come from? And in a prior episode, um, we had mentioned that you know if you go back into Psalms, you're, you're starting to get concepts of, of, of the Jewish interpretation of eternal life. And where where this all was building up to in my head and kind of the moment that triggered and kind of makes me question all of this, um, I, I think is, is a faith-based question at the end of the day. It's not necessarily when was it written and why was it written, but obviously Christ, uh, Christ in Easter happened 2,000 years ago. And I've heard many times from many different priests articulate that that is where essentially eternal life became real. And I don't know if, if that concept's right or, or metaphysics. And, and, and there's a lot of things that go on with the moment that Christ's life happened because he's a living God continuously. Um, and that when he gives himself, and I might be combining things and, and being wrong. So, so please correct me. I'm looking at your face and seeing that there's a good chance that I am wrong right now. But, but the way, the way that I understood it through, through my upbringing was that, that Christ is, is eternal and in, in throughout us, uh, throughout history. And the moment of, of the resurrection is something that reverberates throughout all of time. Um, so, so basically my, my question is, is about that mystery essentially. And I, and the way it was articulated to me is that's essentially that moment is where it's continual, which in one sense is unfathomable. Um, but that continual moment is essentially where eternal life blossomed from. And I guess that's kind of the faith-based question that I've probably already mired up some details that, that I'm trying to figure out how to articulate out of my chest and into the, into the world right now. Yeah. Sorry for my expression. <laughs> I was, uh, anyway, missed a, missed a, a point or two, um, along the way. But yeah, the, so we, we're doing, we're two things are going on at the same time. One is that God is eternal. So God is outside of time. God is not one more being among others. God is being itself. So uh, we exist because he already existed and always exists. He is existence. Um, and then, you know, things unfold in, in the context of time for us. And we could say the hinge of history is the entrance of God into history as God becomes flesh and dwells among us in Jesus Christ, uh, that changes everything. So now he is one creature among his creation. And 
then the transforming moment of his death when he takes all death all sin all of the the enemies onto himself and uh, allows himself to be crushed by them we could say but then crushes them in the process he opens up a, a new pathway he opens up eternal life and you're you're so right that uh, like a fount flows forward and backward it sprays uh erupts forward and backward in time it it opens up the gates of heaven for those who had gone before christ and for those who come after so something new has taken place pope benedict in one of his easter homilies called it uh called it the the uh oh well a, a mutation an evolutionary shift in humanity that that opened up a new kind of human life for us we never had a life that would never die so that life the life of the resurrection the life that christ first enjoyed after his death and resurrection is a life that no longer is threatened by death a life that no longer dies lazarus was raised from the dead but he died again so that's not eternal life. That's not the life of the resurrection that Christ came to bring us. It's a sign of it. It points to it. That's why it's a miracle that was significant. But it's not the same as the resurrection. The resurrection is a new kind of human life, a life that never dies. And so that was introduced into history through the resurrection. That was introduced into history 2,000 years ago and now is accessible to us. We enter into that life through baptism. We receive it into uh, every part of our life through faith. And it comes to its full fruition after our uh, physical death, after our the end of our mortal life, then there is only this eternal life in us. So you can think in terms of baptism, well, in terms of conception, there is a life uh, in us, and that life is destined for death. Uh, in baptism, there is a new life that is placed in us, the seeds of grace, of sanctifying grace. And that life is not destined for death. That life will continue on beyond death. And that's the life of the resurrection that Christ uh, established for us by his own resurrection. He made it possible for humanity to become a stable dwelling of the Holy Spirit, for humanity to recover the, the gift of sanctifying grace for humanity to have an eternal life that had been lost by the fall. Now, one could argue what the life of Adam and Eve was like and whether their life would have also continued forever, whether that was already eternal life, but undoubtedly all of that was lost by the fall and then had to be recovered. And so that recovery took place at a specific moment in history. But as you point out, it has a way of flowing back in time. So those who died before Christ also um, as as we hold in our teaching, you know, Christ also preached the gospel to them. We could say after he died, he descended into hell we, or into the dead, and he preached the gospel to all those who had died, and those who believed could follow him into eternal life. So as you bring that up there, it, it makes me think of a, a number of things, is that so much of, of the element of faith is, is part of why it is faith is that you can't really scientifically prove it. You know, no, no one was able to go down and, and record Jesus's teachings when he was in hell. Um, you know, that that's just part of a uh, part of the, the, the starting point essence of, of faith. And 
when we think of, of of the the teachings of Christ and and essentially being that 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 it all boils down to relationships and love. I mean, that's a, if there's one thing that has been evident by doing this podcast with you for three years that that most of the faith at the end of the day boils down to that. And through that prism, you can see the practicality of everything within the faith and that this isn't just a historical milestone that came, changed things, but now is in a rearview mirror and starting to become less, less relevant. Um, like as a sad example of that, you, you can think of 9-11. Before 9-11, things were different. They definitely changed. But now as we f- get further away from that, it's it just becoming dust on a shelf type thing where this moment of, of Christ's resurrection is eternal within us all. And, you know, as we've discussed in the past and, and just trying to bring up specifics here with a faulty memory that I have, we all have an innate human nature to try to want to do what's right. It's, you know, Inner, inner bind as part of being a, a social species is is somewhat inherent that you can't always be be against everything you can't always be negative that there is a certain tribalism built into our 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 beings just from uh from the way that you see people interact we're, we're social species is the way that scientists would say that now um and in doing so that essentially requires some degree of positive relations. And I bring this up because as we think about as at least in the, in the marriage training, people saying that if you don't have God in your life, your, your marriage will never work. And then obviously I've seen examples of that firsthand, but in, I think in the particular instance of how we can transform that into each day's life is, you know, focus on positive, good, loving relationships and, and how to build that within ourselves. So I wanted to bring that up in, in that moment that since the, the resurrection is eternal and always there, those graces are eternal and always there. And something that that we can tap into throughout time. And I, and I, I want to ask a, a follow-up question. This, this might seem weird. Um, are the saints that way now too? Um, in the sense that that you know Saint John Paul II, he's uh, he's a saint, obviously. Um, is is he in that sense too that anyone could reach out to him um, to to beg upon the graces of God um, and not trying like I said, not trying to to mix up things here? Yeah, I, I think that the best way to think about it is. Well, first of all, we should always just preface it a little bit like in our last podcast, I was talking about how, you know, so many things are human and divine. And when we try to make it, you know, separate out and make it just one, that's where we usually end up in heresy. So it's always good to remember that time is very elusive because uh, those who have died are outside of time. And then that just kind of messes up everything. We just don't really understand how to work in that very much. So let me just throw that caveat out there. But within that, uh, aside from that caveat, I think the most helpful thing to think about is 
that when we die, we are, you know, in baptism, we are immersed into Christ. So that's what baptism is. Baptism means immersion. The immersion is physically in water, but sacramentally it's in Christ. We're being baptized into Christ or, or even more fully into the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And we're being immersed in the name, immersed in the Trinity, and, and specifically through our adopted, uh, being adopted sons in Christ. So we're in Christ. Uh, we have the right to separate ourselves from him. But the canonized saints are the ones who we say for sure never separated, or at least at the point of death, were not separated from him. And so when their mortal bodies died, they didn't die. They remained in Christ. And so they're still in Christ. So Pope John Paul is, is in Christ eternally. And, and just as Jesus, as, as Christ is accessible to us, as we can pray to him, we can pray to all those who are still in his mystical body. We can still pray to those who are alive in Christ. And the canonized saints are certainly alive in Christ. Those who went before us but are being purified still, we'd say that the church suffering in purgatory, they're also in Christ. And we can, you know, speak to them in him through the Holy Spirit. You know, there's a certain access and faith to to those people who have died, but um, but remained in Christ. They they remained in Christ to the point of their death. And so they remain in him after their death. And that's the, the principle of eternal life. Now, we also believe in a resurrection of the body. And then it gets, anyway, starts to get even more uh, uh, confusing, we could say. But uh, Our Lady, of course, has her own body uh, assumed and glorified. And she has her own whatever presence to us. But anyway, I think in terms of talking to the saints or talking to the souls in purgatory, we can think about them being in the mystical body of Christ. And so just as we can talk to him, we can talk to them. And the thought hit to me there, and this was a random scientific thought, you know, as you say, getting emerged in water, um, water in a sense is eternal um, from the, the rules of chemistry and that, you know, water evaporates, becomes rain and becomes water again. Um, and, and that regards, and I can't think of too many other things that work that way from a chemistry level. Um, but, but water certainly does. And, and there's a very good chance that the water you're drinking now was someone's sweat 300 years ago um, in, in that regards. So just to, to put that kind of thought out there, that that's just the cycle of water. And that being the, the starting point of, of baptism is, is to be emerge into water and into virgin into Christ. Um, again, I don't know why that scientific thought just popped in my head, but it, but it definitely goes goes with, with everything you're saying there. And, you know, it, it's just so... so you're right. The, the, the concept of, of time um, is so challenging. Um, and, and the thought that I also had there, I guess is more of a question, is as you mentioned before with the fall of the grace of, of Adam and Eve. Um, is that essentially where time began? Because when, when they were, when they were in the, the garden, they were there and presumably everything was alive and there was no death and decay. Um, time is what creates in part death and decay. So, um, 
has that question ever been posed? Is, is that even a good question? I don't know. But that was the thing that, that pop, popped in my mind is as part of the, the punishment being time um, put upon us all. Um, no, there's certainly Adam and Eve were, were already immersed in time. The uh, it, creation, the beginning of creation is the beginning of time. Uh, so when uh, the scripture says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The beginning is the beginning of time also. And um, time is ultimately a measure of change. So it's it's one way to look at it. Uh, and, and there's no change in God, which is why God is also outside of time. Uh, you have to understand that in all the right uh, whatever context and caveats. But um, essentially, there's no change in God. Change happens in creation. And so that's the introduction of time. Time is a measurement of change. And uh, yeah, so there, Adam and Eve were growing and creation was growing and uh, things were changing. Um, but uh, we talk about the days, you know, on the first day, on the second day, on the third day. Those are not necessarily 24-hour periods of time as we would des describe a day now, but but it's certainly a period of time, first day, second day, third day. Those are periods of time. So yeah, time is not a, a consequence of the fall. Time is a consequence of, of creation, really. And uh, even before our creation or the creation of Adam and Eve was also the creation of the angels. Uh, even in the heavens, God created the heavens and the earth. The heavens, which are the home of the angels, and the earth, which is the home of man. Um, you know, there's change already in the heavens. And the angels uh, grow in their own way, not physically because they don't have physical bodies, but they grow in their spirits. And uh, they also made made decisions, had tests, entered into the beatific vision, fell from grace, uh, those kinds of things. So, yeah, time is time is inherent to uh, to all of creation. And since we don't talk about Adam and Eve very much, the random Adam and Eve question I've had popped up in my my note list here for a while. I figured this would be a good opportunity to use it. Um, ultimately, out of all the creation options that God has, which is certainly beyond our capability, uh, why was man selected? And, and if you, if you think about just a a miracle in a sense that we were all born as humans, um, but but why why man essentially? Well, man was created in the image and likeness of God. So from from the purpose, from the beginning of his creation, man was intended for this purpose. Um, you know, if you, we can start looking at different, um, whatever, theories of creation or things like that. The evolutionary sense is... Uh, is is subjecting everything to randomness and it's not i don't even think it's a very logically or scientifically satisfying solution it's it's trying to understand a vehicle by which things developed and grew and and that's useful for its own purposes and and certainly has had a value in terms of understanding biology but we would say that god was intimately involved whether whether he did by fiat you know boom there's man or whether he guided evolutionary processes up to the creation of man. The point is that God's intention was that man would be in his image and likeness. Uh, man is 
is an embodied soul or an animated body, a, a, a mixture, a, a union of body and soul. And thus he's also a bridge between the angels and the animals. And so he's a bridge between heaven and earth. And, uh, but all of that was guided. So it's not like God looked at creation and goes, oh, that's a pretty good, you know, I could do a deer, I could do a, a monkey, I could do a giraffe, I could do a human being. There we go, let's choose the human beings. So it was uh, better to think of it as, as a, a process guided by God intentionally from the beginning to achieve a certain end, which was this one particular creature who would be in the image and likeness of God, and that God would then uh, shower with, with special grace and, and unite with himself and become one with him in the, in the incarnation and, and all of those other wonderful things that we've come to know. Yeah, and I guess in a sense, we, we can't have a conversation about time without going to the beginning. But even in, in the natural conclusion of this podcast, we get to the, 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 the important essence of Christ's resurrection was through everything. And that, that it still goes on today. And I think that, that as far as, as concluding this episode about the today portion as it's ongoing, is it gets back to, to, to love and relationships as, as you've always discussed. Uh, while we all have a natural inclination to want to wanna be positive and, and to want to be in relationships, um, as kind of articulated by the fact we're social beings, it's not always easy and we need help. And I think that that is where the face practically brings us life every day. Um, and that's how to look for, for God entering our lives. When we just get notions of how to live better lives through relationships and how to be more open to love and how to give love is how to uh, to do it. And that, that obviously will take different various reasons and different various meanings to everyone out there. But in those moments... Um, you, you certainly make the argument that that's, uh, that's God continually living through us all as a human being species and in a particular way through us as Christians. So, Father, I want to give you a chance here as we have a few minutes left to wrap up today's episode as trying to cover time. There's a lot of stuff going on there that 20 some odd minutes isn't really going to be able to handle. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, a, a useful question, which is probably the other way or the way that you're even intending that question is um, what is it that makes man in the image and likeness of God and that uh, capacity for relationship and the capacity for love are are part of those qualities that God from from God's own image and likeness that he has bestowed on man. So I'm just reversing the uh, the directionality of how this is coming. Not that man sudden, you know, sort of randomly came to this point and God said, oh, look, there's a pretty good image and likeness, uh, but rather that God guided that process so that we would be in his image and likeness. And those qualities are seen particularly in our, uh, our intellect and our free will and also our relationality and our capacity for love. Yeah. You uh, have caught the the big themes, Joe. It uh, makes me feel good that after three years of talking about these things, you're able to take those synthesizing themes and hold on to them and see how they apply in all kinds of different circumstances. Certainly, and and one of those elements being that you just brought in there is is the relationship and love, and it's not a physical characteristic. 
And I think that so many of us, because we get taught this whenever we're, you know, young, we're using examples of, you know, what every other three-year-old does, this little spinny thing with animals make their noises, but it's all a physical shape. And the just example is the, what matters is the relationships and the capacity of loving each other as a person to person. It doesn't matter what you look like. Every person innately has that capability of forming relationships and dispersing love. And again, that, that, that doesn't mean you have to be born in this section of the world or that section or look this way or that way. It's something that certainly transcends the physical beings that shouldn't be lost either. And then oftentimes when you see some of the worst perversions in human history, it's revolving around that that fact being wrong. So I wanted to just kind of leave on that thought, obviously not the happiest note ever, but just a thought that I had uh, as we're walking out the door today. And we certainly will be with you here again next week. And we thank you guys all for, uh, for being with us and continuing to be with us.